Welcome to episode 224 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It's your Sunday edition. I am Paul Spore. Joined, as always, on Sundays by Mr. Jason Collette. Jason, how are you today? Here I am. Busy weekend. Very productive weekend. The last, uh, I had to get a bunch of stuff in because I'm not going to be able to do a little bit of stuff for a while. Going to be laid up for a while. Going under. You're on the DL right now. We got you on there for 15 days. I'm not sure we're going to get you back in that sort of time frame. Uh, torn meniscus. Gotta yes, be up. sir. Surgery happening tomorrow, though. Keep you know keep an eye on on RotoWire for the for the updates, and then I'm sure RotoGraphs will have an article about your comeback. Yeah, you some, know I would some... I'd like to talk about the disabled list for a little bit. I got, I got into a little back and forth uh, a discussion. Ow! Speaking of which, as I just hit my leg, <laughs> uh, a discussion with somebody about the the links of the disabled list. Uh, did you know there used to be at one time we had. These are the different lengths of disabled list that we've had. Ten, 7, 10, 15, 21, 30, and 60. Interesting. Like, and now we only have we have the 7 day for concussions. Yeah. The 15 and the 60. But all these other ones go away and I'll you know we'll get back to that in a little bit when we talk about another guy cuz I I would like to see at least the return of the 7. I mean Devin Messerock was a perfect example of this. Yeah, you know, but uh, when we get to the injuries, we'll talk about another guy. But the whole disable this thing really drives me crazy. These guys just sit out for five, six straight days, and it's then they so retroact. Then they go, like, oh, we're going to go back day to DL stick. Yeah, if you had a seven-day DL, you could have just done it. We're, ultimately, we're talking about players' health, and it just kind of pisses me off that you have to be hurt for at least two weeks to go on the disable list. If not, your team's playing shorthanded. And, and when you look at a team that's playing without a guy, like you know, like the, the Reds, you have to carry a third catcher because your second guy is not hurt enough to go on the disabled list, stuff like that. Exactly. No, it, it, it's rough, and it puts teams uh, at disadvantages unnecessarily, too. You know, it, it, it becomes, you know, sort of a dice roll thing at that point because you can't really predict that. That, that. There's no additional savvy. I mean, I guess there's a little bit of savvy to being able to maneuver when you're uh, shorthanded, but, you know, you, you, you build a team and you plan to play with 25 more often than not. So uh, I, I agree with you there. Uh, first off, before we get into the, the injury news, I want to remind folks to please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Been getting some tremendous reviews. Definitely appreciate that. And as always, y'all can hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Spore. Jason is at Jason Collette. Let's talk about the injuries. Got to start with one that uh, seemed like a foregone conclusion after the performance that he put up, and it's TJ House officially going to the disabled list with shoulder inflammation. I mean, he'd been so poor. It had to be something, right? Because there was just no way. Listen, I understand that I was pretty uh, high on him, relatively speaking, as, as kind of the late-round target. I, I, I endorsed him for sure. Um, and But there were those who didn't like him. Even those who didn't like him, I don't think, thought he was this poor. So this isn't just me saying, oh, I'm trying to back a guy that I liked coming into the season. There's just no way he was this poor, right? I mean, there had to be an injury. Well, yeah. I mean, this is the case. You look at the look at the velocity readings for him. So, and if we, you know, Brooks baseball because the Indians are in Arizona, we get we get uh, velo data during camp. So March 8th, he was throwing 91.3. March 19th, 90.4. Then against your Tigers. 88.8. Then he got back to 90.8. And then against your Tigers again, 89.8. And then his most recent blasting, 88. 88.1. So he's lost about three miles an hour from his first spring training start. That's a red flag. Definitely. So he's going to be on the 15-day disabled list. I think this will put uh, Zach McAllister in the rotation maybe. I don't know if they named someone specifically. I'm just kind of guessing I think that's there. the last guy left. Tomlin's out hurt. How right, is that? So I think it has to be McAllister. Yeah, so, oh, well, um, they mentioned Bruce Chen and Sean Markham as potential options as well. So, Jesus Christ, those guys still it, pitch? Right. You see, it, it's like the, it's like the Brendan Bosch, when somebody told me Brendan Bosch was playing this week. I was like, seriously, like, he still what? plays? Yeah, exactly. So it, it could be one of those other two, but, but let's just, we're saying McAllister because for the purposes of fantasy, that's the only one who could become anywhere near feasible. How, what do you think of him? I know he got some buzz coming into the season because of some, uh, raised velocity. Uh, and it didn't really, you know, kind of pan out right right away for him in his first start. And I think he's had a couple, maybe a couple of tough relief appearances. But um, I think he could be pretty good as that super reliever type. 
you know, what what they are what they're using him as now. I don't know that going back as a starter is going to give him any fantasy value. I like him in the role he's in. What do you think of Zach McAllister? Yeah, swing man. I think he's a five. I don't really think he's anything higher than that uh, swing guy. I think he could stick around even when House does come back. There should be a role for him within the team, within the bullpen, to stick around deep AL league. Worth stashing if you need a reliever that can get some, uh, you know, a guy that could help you a little bit with strikeouts now and, and later. Yeah, out of the, out of the bullpen, uh, he had 12 strikeouts in 12 and two thirds innings, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's kind of weighed down by the fact that he only got one in that three and two thirds when he subbed in for uh, Danny or uh, Carlos Carrasco when Carrasco got hit in the face. So since then, since he's just been used as a regular reliever, uh, McAllister has 11 strikeouts in nine innings with a two ERA. So again, like you said, AL only. He, I think as a super reliever, I like him. As a starter, I'm really not that interested because I don't think it translates. Uh, Desmond Jennings went on the disabled list with knee bursitis, and he'd been brutal before that. Obviously, I think you could uh, shine some light on this. Was it related? Was this knee an issue uh, all spring? And, no. And then, okay, no, so that's, it popped I mean, up. Yeah, this is the thing that drove him, that, that bugged him last year, and that was like often. And this is what I was talking about with the disabled this crap. They've been playing shorthanded all week. He was in the lineup last night, and then ten minutes before the game starts, they yanked him out of the lineup. So something's not right there. The thing is, before he went out, I mean, he's been running. You look at he's been, you know I think six for seven in stolen base attempts, and the one the one caught stealing was a completely blown replay call where he was actually safe. Uh, uh, on that, but he's, he would actually he was actually running, and then this thing creeped uh, crept up again. So that kind of sucks. And uh, oh, by the way, Ron Renneke was just fired. I saw, um, I saw that. I was gonna I was gonna mention that. No, so no, I just saw. I got alert on my phone. Uh, you know, when you're six and nineteen, that kind of thing happens. I mean, but with, it, it, he was running, so that's what's kind of frustrating here. But this is exactly the kind of thing that dug around uh, last year, and and it was in September, so nobody cared uh, as far as the roster, and they just kind of let him hang. Uh, they just called up Joey Butler, uh, career minor league type. He was in Japan, you know, uh, Cardinals and the Rangers, and then he was in Japan. And they said he's going to play a bunch. He played today, and they said he's going to play a bunch uh, while uh, while Jennings is out. So I don't know. I don't see much there, but he's going to play. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Je- Jennings, um, you know, wasn't performing that well outside of the stolen bases. Just a five forty four OPS, but the five steals suggested that you know if he got on track at all. Uh, that there could be some some decent uh, steal potential there at least. I I've always been bummed about Desmond Jennings. I really wanted him to pan out as kind of a, the, the star that we thought uh, he could be. I agree with you on Butler. He is just kind of a fodder, maybe AL only, because um, playing time is going to be king in a league like that. So even if it's not necessarily great playing time, if it's not completely brutal, like maybe even anything better than Jennings, the, again the 544 OPS, you'll be fine. I play in two or three AL leagues. I don't have a bit on him in any league. Okay, so you're you're not even uh, interested at, at, at that point. I play in one AL only where it's like 12 teams, so it gets really, really bone dry. So uh, somebody who they, they write a note about that says it's gonna, he's going to play a lot, that, that's a guy who's going to draw a double-digit bid. Even at this point of the year. Well, I mean, let's look at Towers, 12 team AL. I've got Brett Gardner, JD Martinez, Michael Saunders, Chris Young as the four outfielders because you have a swing man in this one. And I have Jared Dyson as my fifth, as my swing slash fifth outfielder. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bench that, any that one of those sense. guys. No, I, I wouldn't either. I, I absolutely, I absolutely. I benched wouldn't. Jared Dyson this week and the stupid guy got two steals on Monday. Oh man. The, the thing with he him. He had nothing. He had done absolutely nothing. The, the thing is, what SBs come come in bunches, yep. of course, and you know, saves and stolen bases. We, we you hear the adage all the time: they come in bunches, get a couple stolen bases. I agree with you though. With with, with your setup, I, I guess I wouldn't put a bid in. I'm looking at an AL only team that I've got that uh, finally crept its way out of the cellar here. I've got Arcia, who I actually could have put on the list. He left with hip irritation today, but it's not, I don't know how big it is, so I didn't put it on the list. Shinsu Chu, Rajay Davis, Anthony Ghost, George Springer. See, we have, we have kind of a bigger reserve, you know, big reserve roster in this league, so he'll get, he'll get a bid just because, uh, like I said, somebody breathing, gotta do it. Anyway, let's move on to, uh, the last injury here. This one wasn't, isn't gonna be a, uh, you know, DL stint here, but I, I kind of want to use it as an entree to talk about this guy because he's been on fire. It's Zach Cozart. He had a, a finger issue, uh, came out of the game. They took x-rays, came back negative, think, thinks it's all, you know, all going to check out, be fine. 
But I wanted to mention how well he's been playing. He's got an 879 OPS and five and five homers. I mean, listen, uh, you know, we could talk and say just because it's April, it, it's only April. You know, if it was in, in June, we would notice it, but maybe not get crazy about it. But he only hit four homers last year in 543 plate appearances, and he just beat that. Now, I know he has a career high of 15, but if he's back to that guy who hit 15 and 12, even with the crappy triple slash that he had, that's some prime value in NL only and deep mixers uh, that would have a middle where you can get double-digit homers. What do you think of Kozar? Would you buy this at all? Because obviously, even if you bought him in a trade, I don't think you'd have to pay much. He, that guy would be selling high, but that doesn't mean you'd be giving him a big piece. It just means he'd be getting something better than waiver wire fodder. All right, so from 2012 to 2014, if you if you sum, if you take the sum of his home run to fly ball ratio over those three seasons, you get 18%. That's exactly <laughs> where he's at right now. Oh my god, that's unbelievable. So, you know, I have I have not watched Cozart at the plate, so I can't say, okay, what is he doing differently? Exactly. But I'd, lo- I'd love to get some swing analysis on that. Yes, but for a guy's ISO to go from 079 to 231, Almost no change in the batted ball profile. By yeah, way. everything else, you know, it looks just, you know, just the way it has been. You know, is he being more selective? No, he's chasing things at the same rate. He's actually actually swinging a little uh, less often in the zone. I'm looking at it, looking at his metrics. He's taking a few more pitches. Uh, he's making a ton more contact within the zone. I mean, his well, Z contact is at 96 percent right now. So Zach Cozart, I mean. <sighs> It, it, so it was, it, you know, it's great. It's a great month. What would you expect from here on out? Would you expect the five months worth of 2014, or can he get back? Because because even to get back to 2012, to, like I said, 2012, 2013, that could be fine. And he did those with an eight percent rate uh, homer to fly ball rate. So you could he could Kozar could give back ten percent on this current rate, ten percentage points, and still be there. And again, that's still you know mixed playable. Deeper mix, not a ten or twelve teamer, but uh, if you're getting double digits, I don't know. Maybe I should have checked this hit tracker online to see what kind of, you know, how lucky some of them has been or the just enoughs. Because if Cozart's got like four just enoughs and yeah, one, if he's got the fence scrapers. Yeah, if he's got that and then one bomb or something, then it, then it takes a little bit of uh, a little bit out of it as well. So right. I don't know, but you're not buying breakout, is what you're saying. No, I'm not betting breakout, but I'll, you know, I'd like to. With the caveat is, I have not seen him. I have not watched the, the do as I haven't done study on him to see what he's done differently. But it, you know, when you look at the thing is, though, you look at you look at shortstop. This is what cracks me up. So you know, what are we? We're we're 23 to 24 games, 25 games into the season. These are the top four shortstops by weighted on base average right now. Jose Iglesias, Zach Cozart, Brandon Crawford, and Adani Echeverria. Those are your top four by weighted on base average. Brandon Crawford's my boy, man. Fritz Olinsky's fifth. Freddie Galvis is sixth. I love number six, too. That's awesome. That's ridiculous, though. Hey, we got to talk about the top guy on that list then, too, because uh, he actually had, I think, a little groin thing today. Came out. Doesn't look like it's going to be an issue. So, you know, I didn't think it was a big issue. That's why I didn't put it on here. But Jose Iglesias has been killing it. I know we kind of uh, talked about him uh, here and there. What is the, what is the ceiling here? Are we, are we relying too much on his minor league record? to pigeonhole him and say that he's going to be that because he's been much better as a major leaguer even than he was as a minor leaguer. But I still think everyone's waiting for the fall all the way back to like where he's like a 62 WRC plus kind of guy. And I'm not sure that Jose Iglesias is that bad of a hitter. You know, again, this is a position that's not showing much. I mean, when we have, we have 13 guys with a weighted on base average over 300 right now. That's it. So, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, I, and if he's running and like the Tigers are running, I, I'll take a shot on him. Yeah, that, that's right. In fact, I picked him up in a six by in a six by six league. He's my shortstop now. I did pick him up. I, I, I mean, I don't blame because, like I said, yeah, I've talked. I was harping on the hitting. I, I don't even necessarily care about that. I don't, I don't think he's a three fifty one uh, batting average kind of guy, and I don't think there's some major pop coming. I think maybe he could be like a, a three or four homer guy. Not, not nothing serious. But if uh, 280, 
you know, if he can hit 280 with the contact that he has, uh, he, he can draw a walk here and there. The speed, I think, could be huge because he's getting the green light right now, and he looks super healthy off of the the uh, shin injuries that kept Iglesias out for the entire year last year. So, you know, you mentioned AL only, okay, but would what kind of mix would it take for you to put him at your middle? Not your starting shortstop, but your middle. 15-teamer? Yeah, I think I would too, and I, I, I would have laughed at that idea coming into the season. I said, no way, I can find somebody way better. But I think your your proof that that your list there is actually the guys who would be on the wire with Iglesias. You know, not Crawford. I think he did get some. Uh, like I said, I was a big fan coming in. I definitely wasn't the only one. Laura Michaels loved him too. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I would. You know, he's probably still lingering out there. So go get Jose Iglesias. Obviously, if you need speed, that's a no brainer. But even if you don't, I think having an asset who is a shortstop could be very useful. All right, let's move on to the player movement. We've got some call-ups and one big send-down. The first big call-up is one that folks have been waiting for now pretty much since Christian Vasquez got hurt, um, and that is Blake Swihart being called up for the Boston Red Sox. What do you? How do you feel about this guy? Uh, well, he's from Texas, so he's cool. I mean, that is – that's pretty <laughs> – and he was hitting – I mean, the thing is, it's the same thing I say about every catcher call. Okay. I, I figured you were going to say it or I was going to. With all of these kids that come up, they've got so much stuff going on. I, I, I had people telling me, should I pick him up at a 12-team mixed league? I had people on Twitter, I, I'm going to drop this starting catcher and pick this guy up. No, I, I'm not. I, I'd rather take – I'm going to take the veteran. If the kid hits, the kid hits. He's got you know, the minor league numbers are there, but overall, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not dropping anybody I have. If I've got a starting catcher, I'm you know, save Ray, Renee Rivera, who's Jose Molina 2.0. Uh, right. But other than that, I'm not dropping. No, I, I'm not either. Uh, I'm not dropping guys to pick up Blake Swihart, and uh, it's nothing against him really. It's because we, again, we've, like you said, we've talked about this. You say it all the time. I agree. I say you know same sort of thing. Teams come up, they tell them, focus on the defense. We don't care. We don't care about your hitting. Uh, very often, that's what happens with young catchers. And so I just never understood the fa- the fantasy fascination. I guess because getting a young catcher and that one time that you do get Buster Posey, it's like, wow, what what a difference maker. I get it, but I just I don't have high hopes, so I'm not going to bend over backwards to pick up Blake Swihart. But let's talk a little. Let's project out a little bit for those long long termer uh, people, uh, dynasty league players, I should say. And folks, you know, maybe you don't like to trade for a prospect until he comes up and does a little bit. Um, but now, so now that he's up, you want to consider him. What do you think the long-term outlook for somebody like Blake Swihart is? Because I've heard it could be top of the charts all around, not just with the defense. Um, I mean, the ballpark's as long as he stays there, you have to feel that he's going to, and he's not going to be traded uh, to Philly for Cole Hamels. Because the rumors, you know, they want Cole Hamels, but they don't want to give up bets. They don't want to give up Swihart, and I forgot the other guy. I'm drawing Bogarts. a blank on an obvious Bogart. So, yeah, of course, they're still going to get Cole Hamels. Uh, of course they are, because they have so much more that they can give and, and still overwhelm Philly. Yeah, I, mean, I, I said this to, go, to di- diverge a little bit. I said this for as much crap as Ruin Tomorrow Jr. gets from fans. He's, play, he's played the part of Ruin Tomorrow. <laughs> That's what my friend Glenn just called him forever. Oh my God, uh, but uh, the the Hamels and Papelbon, he's played those situations beautifully. Now, he, re- he, he really screwed has. the pooch on Chase Utley. He should have traded Utley. Utley looks awful. Yes. Uh, awful. But with, with Swihart, the ballpark's always going to help him. Um, even when Vasquez comes back, Swihart always had the better offensive upside. Uh, of the two of those guys, you have to figure that uh, next year, when the two of those guys are likely sharing duty, I forgot what Hannigan's deal is. Uh, if it's a one or two year deal uh, oh, with him, yeah. but I, he's I think, got offensive upside. I think uh, Swihart in a keeper league, I'm, I would definitely hold on to him. I, I think he could be a top uh, a top half catcher. Okay, so don't yeah, don't try to pawn him off uh, because, like I said, I, I at least in some of the experiences that I had, some league mates aren't always comfortable trading for prospects until they've actually seen them kind of pop up. I play in an NL only league. They don't always want them unless they're right on the cusp there. And I say, okay, now's the time. I to don't trade blame them. them. I really don't. I used no, to I don't play either. in those leagues. It's, it's really tough. It's tough to market dudes' talent. They, everybody wants like, what have you done for me? Yeah. Oh, no, okay. Why do you I'll, think I'll always... make a deal for him. 
that's why I'm always trying to train him because I don't want I, I don't want to mess with it either. I'm trying to make it be somebody else's problem. Uh, so I get I get that feeling. But yeah, I've had guys flat out tell me, listen, I know he's a great prospect. I've read all the stuff, but until I get some eyes on him, no thanks. Uh, so yeah, if you've got a guy like that in your league and you are interested in training Swihart, make sure you get a lot. But I agree with Jason. I probably just keep him because I do think it could be that kind of complete package. Probably won't come this year, but it could already start to come together next year if he takes to the defense and managing a, a, a staff as quickly as a lot of people believe that Blake Swihart will. The other big, uh, call up, or at least, at least Potentially big fantasy-wise because of his key asset. That's Billy Burns for the Oakland A's. And, and his last name is perfect because he's a complete burner. Uh, speed is, is his game. It might really be the only part of his game. I'm not sure how great of a hitter he, he's going to be. But uh, the wheels, I think he can use them. What do you think of Billy Burns? I, I, obviously, they, I doubt they called him up to not give him some playing time. What do you think? Uh, what kind of asset can he be? Is he mixed league viable if you need speed or just kind of an AL only or super deep league? Super AL only. I mean, here's the thing. He's played parts of two seasons in AAA. All of this has been in the uh, in the Pacific Coast League and over 220 plate appearances. He's hit 247, 310, 298. That's oh a guy that you're going to knock the bat out of his hand. He yeah. can run. I mean, his numbers at the minor, at the lower levels were ridiculous for the Nationals uh, when he was with the Nationals before he was traded to Oakland. 54-60. Yeah, he, he could steal. He ran and everything, and he, he got on base a ton, 400 on base clip. Oh. But at double-A, you know, he's hit that triple-A ceiling. And right yep. now, that does you – know, he's got to – he can't steal first base. Yeah, y'all, I mean, this is, I'm looking, sorry, I zoned out as I'm looking sorry. at these. They're so bad. Um, so yeah, the 74 for 81 on the base pass for Billy Burns in 2013, that's great. I mentioned the 54 for 60 in 2014. That's great. Though, if there's one thing that might be a little bit heartening, it's, uh, he did get better this time around yeah. in AAA. You know, it's just only 99 plate appearances, but it's markedly better from what we've seen. Still not, still not banging, uh, banging the wall down with, with the balls that he hits. He's never because, going to. Yeah, 404 uh, slugging to go with a 315 batting average and 378 on base. Don't know why I read that triple slash out of order. That was stupid. Uh, 315, 378, 404 for Billy Burns. If, if, oh, if he can make any contact, obviously, then he can use that speed. But I agree with you. It's got to be AL only. I just don't see him doing enough in a mixed league, even for the Chiefs steals. I'd rather have Gerard Dyson, and he's probably still available uh, although this year he's pretty chic pick, be- probably because of the playoffs. Not as many leagues were willing to leave him out there quite as long, even though he didn't do anything better th- last year, D- Draw Dyson, than he had done the previous years. Right. It was just that he had a little bit of notoriety. Oh, Boston trying to make a comeback. Is that a Mike Napoli three-run shot? Please. Yeah, there it was. Killing God, it's been killing God. me too. Been killing <laughs> me too. So invested. Big fan still. Good, nice work there. Eight to five now. Here we go. Oh wait, SML Rogers is giving up home runs. It must be a day that ends in Y. So weird, right? So weird. I saw you tweeting the other night when he was when he was dealing, saying this is how he tricks you. Exactly. And it's exactly I, how he pulls you in. Yeah. No, I, I I laughed so hard when I saw that. I was like, yep, yep. I don't even know if I got, I I think I was headed out the door. I didn't get a chance to favorite it, but I was dying laughing at that. <laughs> Uh, all right. Now, oh, no, another move. I think this happened shortly after uh, Eno and I had finished the other day, unfortunately. But uh, obviously, we'll, we'll still get to it. Just a couple days late. But uh, Dilson Herrera was called up for the Mets. He's a 21-year-old uh, second baseman. I think he's kind of a defense-first guy, but he is a legitimate prospect. Again, probably didn't call him up to not play him. He was raking at AAA, but oh, yeah, huge yeah. caveat, it was Vegas. Well, he was so, raking in AA last year. That's true. That's true in, in Binghamton. So, you know, he, he is, he's been, I mean, he's been a good hitter, uh, throughout the minors. I just, I've never seen him get the acclaim, at least from the prospectors that I read. I, you know, I read Kylie's stuff, read some other outlets as well. Um, and I've never seen him get much love for his bat. It's always been kind of a defense first, but I look at the numbers. They've all been pretty great overall. And then, like I said, beasting this year, got to take a little bit off of that because of, uh, Las Vegas stuff. But what do you think of Dilson Herrera? Um, probably just an NL only, but let's talk a little bit more about his long-term outlook. How, do you think he can be a legit hitter? Or is he just more of 40-45 hitting with uh, some decent glove kind of keeping him on the field? I want to say I remember talking about him last year, and you know he, his B-ref 
page says he's 5'10 and 150. And I remember being really dismissive of him because of that. And I remember somebody tweeting or making a comment and saying, hey, you know, you were a little dismissive of the guy just because he's small frame. He's really not that small. He's been a hitter. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, it's tough to overlook the numbers that he's put up in, in AA and AAA. Where we go back to the Billy Burns story, do the inverse here. I mean, this guy is, he's getting on base. He's hitting for average. He's doing what it takes. He doesn't have you know, the power. He hit 10 home runs and being on some last year in 278 plate appearances. He has one so far this year in 87. Uh, it, it's, it's tough to overlook the numbers. I would make a play in a in a 12-team NL league. I, I w- I'm not ready to bite on mixed leagues yet, but in NL league, uh, let's say like I am, I have Jed Lowry in AL Tout Wars. I, 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 have to make, I have to make the Jonathan VR play. If yes. I had the comparable guy in the NL side, I would be making a play on Herrera if I knew he was going to get the playing time. Yeah, I, I feel like you – well, it is the Mets, but I feel like you're not calling up a 21-year-old um, to, to just bench him there. Otherwise, you just should have kept him down there raking in AAA. So, Dilson Herrera, NL only play. Don't worry about it kind of everywhere else right now. Um, and then the call uh, – the send down – was of uh, Miguel Castro. I got I tri- sent back to AAA. This is not a huge surprise. I mean, the, we we I, I'm a backpat a little bit. We saw this one coming. Not that not that he was necessarily going to fail. We didn't find out. Say, hey, he's going to be a failure. Don't don't invest. We're saying it's tenuous. Do not get excited. Is was the main thing, at least as far as I was concerned. Like, don't get geeked here because couple bad outings, and he's a 20-year-old, and then all of a sudden Miguel Castro's out of the role. And that's what happened, and now he's back down. What do you think? I remember when he came, everybody was like, oh, man, this guy's going to be it. And then I know you and I recorded, and we talked about 20-year-old kids are not going to have the leash for this. This is I was I didn't want him to invest. I have Osuna uh, in, a, in a keeper league team that I inherited, and that's the only reason I have Osuna. And it's kind of worked out. It was, it was a free play, and it's worked. But, no, I mean, you know, you said it off air. You know, Cecil lost his job after one game. How much of a leash did this kid really think? That's, that's how much do you think he was really going to have? Uh, with, with that. So this isn't surprising that the thing though is Toronto's bullpen is just having to do so much work. They just called back Steve Dalabar for some of this, but Oof. they're having to do a lot of work. The Red Sox are having to do a lot of work. We'll talk about the Rays bullpen, uh, in a minute when we get to Nate Carnes, but they're having to do so much work. And, you know, everybody doesn't have the Yankees bullpen where you have, uh, you know, thunder and lightning at the end between, uh, Batanzas and Miller. Who are just oh making everyone look stupid, so uh, especially those that wanted Batanza sent to the minors for the season. Hey, that was a good call. Yeah, that was a good call. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was kind of getting a little lippy about him the other night when uh, after how good he done because I don't know. I thought it was a little bit overreactionary. I know I'm pretty heavily invested in him and uh, having a big season, but uh, you know, give Batanza a little, little time, and he shows that he's still a freaking beast, man. He's killing it. They look so ridiculous at the back end of that bullpen. It's not even fair. Uh, that's part of the reason that I actually picked them to to make the playoffs. I, I, I don't know how good I feel about it, but I don't know how bad I feel about it because the NL, the AL East it doesn't it's not a scary division. At all, I don't think. Uh, anyway, let's uh, move on to we'll talk a little bit. A couple, couple performances going on right now, and uh, I got to get your got to get your read on them. Got to take temperature, and I got to start on the bad side, the really bad side. Uh, for a lot of these guys, I kind of wrote their recent numbers to give you an idea. Uh, for this guy, I just wrote terrible next to him, and that's true. Hutchinson. Oh, Jesus Christ! Oh, he's and, terrible. Uh, you know, Eno and I talked a little bit about this, but uh, I feel it's our duty to go ahead and talk a little bit about it. A because he pitched terribly again today. And because uh, not only were Eno and I both in on him, but you and I obviously were too. Uh, you know, all three of us, big fans. And uh, all I can tell folks, the, the, those of you, the legions of you that are definitely pissed off at us, uh, we have him too. You're welcome. Like everywhere. So uh, <laughs> I am sorry that it's not working out. But uh, you're not experiencing it alone. I was, I, I go out and get the picks that that I really back, yes. and uh, you know I was pretty high on him. And, and uh, it's just not working with with Hutchinson. He can't put guys away. You know, yeah. I can't. I I cannot tell you how unbelievable it was that he had a no strikeout outing. Uh, two outings ago, and then you know just two today. Hutchinson getting blasted for 
six-plus runs in three outings already this year, going fewer than five innings in four of his outings this year. The other two were brilliant. So that's the infuriating thing, too. And they were in New York uh, against Baltimore. First day of the season. Yeah, opening day and against the the Baltimore offense. So that's that's the thing, too. Uh, It's going to be that way, though, because I I don't think – I'm going to cut him in some leagues, but I'm not going to be surprised if I'm out there trying to get him again in three weeks. But it's all on that slider right now because I don't, yes. I'm, he's not putting guys away, and it does not look like it did in the second half because it was so good. So I tweeted out, I tweeted out these numbers earlier, and I, I said this is I, I didn't even I didn't even cherry pick Hutchinson's good portion of 2014. I just said 2014 versus 2015. So weighted on base average, 318 last year, 370 this year. These numbers are up to date, by the way. Strikeout rate, 23.4, down to 15.9. Walk rate is up from 7.6 to 8.3. Batting average and balls in play is up 29 points from 295 to 324. The swinging strike rate's down 2.5 percentage points. That sucks. The contact rate, you know, it's up to, it was 76% last year. It's 80% now. He's throwing the same percentage of strikes. Uh, Batters are chasing fewer pitches from 31 to 28. The slider is what you guys talked about, and these are the numbers that back it up. Last year, the batting average on his slider was 186 this year oh it's two sixty seven. Uh, the slug, the slugging percentage on the slider last year was two sixty eight. This year it's four sixty seven. They're chasing uh, the chase rate on that pitch has gone from thirty four and a half to thirty. The strike percentage sixty to fifty six. Wow. So you look, he's he just nobody's. The thing is, when he's throwing that pitch, it's either flat, fat over the plate, or it's out of the strike zone, where it's a ball out of the hand, so people aren't chasing it like they were last year. And that's, that's really what that's what's hurting them. And, and can that come back? Yeah, because this was the this was the crappy slider that we saw last year. Uh, and then he yeah. then he then he brought it then he brought it back. And then he was able to fix it, and things took off. So I, I have too many shares of him to cut bait. Am I having for twelve and AL Tout Wars? Is he pissing me off? Yes, he is. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he is my twice. He's, he's like uh, Cletus because I've got Cletus too. He's got the same kind of <laughs> dominant Buckholz for the unfamiliar dominant disaster uh, split too. Because Buckholz has had a couple of brilliant and, oh, and a couple great of great numbers. Yes, same thing. Joe Kelly, I've got Joe Kelly in Italy who did it again today. Did it again? T- yep, striking out guys or, yes. or getting blasted. What? Yeah, either $2. or. Though. I bought him for I bought him for strikeouts and wins. And he's at least getting strikeouts. Uh, but the thing is with Joe Kelly, he's got a, he's got a great whip. Uh, the area is 586 now, but he's still striking out a ton of dudes. Um, and I was having that discussion with Scott Pianowski and Mike Salfino tonight on Twitter about it. It's, and he's straining 61% of his guys. I'm still buying Joe Kelly. Uh, but with, with Hutchinson, I'm holding on. I don't think he's hurt. I, I, we saw some of this last year and I, we could see him bounce right back like he did last year too. It's just, it's really frustrating to own this guy because you're, he's, he, this slide, he's got to get better command. That's really what's doing really it. When you see a guy throwing this, uh, throwing the same percentage of strikes, but getting numbers like this, that that's all about command. Yeah, it's oh, so infuriating. I'm glad I didn't have to see it today because it just would have pissed me off way too much. All right, we got to talk a little bit on the positive side here. Even though the base, the the composite numbers are still not going to impress folks. Credit where it's due. Evan Gaddis is on freaking fire right now. Three fifty-five average, six homers, or excuse me, six runs, five homers, sixteen ribbies uh, in the last nine games for Evan Gaddis. You know he's coming to life here. This is how hot he can get. Because you know when when he had like he's zero for ten with twenty-five strikeouts. You do the math. It's it, it's in there. Uh, when he's doing that sort of stuff, we're saying that's what you paid for. That's kind of what you get. You got to go through it. This is also what you paid for, though. These kind of hot streaks. This is this is where it's at. So um, there's going to be folks out there though that are w- w- wanting to sell out right now because they have a chance. They know it's another it's a peak. Would you go out there and buy some of those shares? Oh yeah, I'd be buying uh, Evan Gaddis. The same thing applies to Chris Carter, who also homered today. Yep. I mean, this it's going to be the boom. Chris Carter's are going to be more extreme than Gaddis's. But as two weeks ago, Gaddis was getting overmatched, and now you know if you see something straight, he's going to pounce, and that's Clubbing what he's doing him. with it right now. I mean, just it literally, you see his his first home run today. It was a fence scraper, but that's only because the ball never got any higher than ten feet off the ground. Yeah, it was yeah a- laser. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a thing too. That's a, you know, I wonder is that sort of stuff kind of uh, factored into those just enough things? Because yeah, 
it is just enough maybe from being kind of a fence scraper, but that thing was a rocket. And that would have been off the wall. Hit. It would have been off the wall in, in 29 other parks, but it may have been stuck in the wall in 10 Exactly. Of them. I mean, exactly. just smoked. But that, that whole team's doing that right now. I tweeted that out earlier. You know, their, uh, their slugging percentage is 60 points higher than any other team over this 10 game winning streak. It's, and they have 14 at more extra base hits than any other team in baseball, right? Over that 10 game stretch. That's how sick their hitting has been right now. And again, Chris Carter has still been pretty much dormant. I know he's, he's starting to drop in a few more hits. Uh, he got, got the really big home run today and that was nice to see. But you know, I'd be buying shares of Gaddis, uh, especially because he still maintains a catcher eligibility. And that's going to apply to the next guy, Stephen Vogt, we're going to talk about too. We got, we got, but let's start right away, uh, with the either or, Evan Gaddis or Stephen Vogt. Gaddis. Okay. Park, ballpark. Yeah, absolutely. It's, no, I, I'm, I'm with you too, but I think vote has really closed the gap because I, I would have said that that was kind of a dumb question at the beginning of the season because, well, I already met, mentioned that I missed the vote on vote, so maybe I'm not the right one to say that I would have called it dumb. You know, it pisses me off because Ray's, Ray's DFA'd him. Oh, I know. I know. That's that's the thing because they had him. They didn't probably didn't know what to do with him, and they're not going to let him play much catcher because I don't think he's very great back there. Maybe no, that's he's probably not. why. Why they didn't like him? Uh, he, was old, he was old for twenty five when they had him. It was so crazy. Like, come on, man, give him a chance to get a hit. Uh, and he never he, looked like a hitter. And now no. you look at him this year. He's got a triple slash of three fifty six, four fifty five, six seventy one right now. It's nuts. Come Even on, vote is just absolutely raking. Two more homers on Sunday. Everything is, is looking prime for him. And like I said, he's really closed the gap because I know some folks had Gaddis all the way as high as number three for catchers. Probably got him closer to four or five. I'm not sure if I, what, what the ranking would be right now if I did it. But he's up there. But I think vote has skyrocketed. Because like I said, it skyrocketed for me, maybe just jumped up high for others who were in on him at the start of the season. But I'm I'm so geeked on this guy now all of a sudden. I know he's 30, so I'm not expecting some, you know, 10-year run here. I wouldn't necessarily be dying to buy him in a keeper league. But I'd go out and buy – I'd even buy at the, this peak right now because I know it would it would smooth out. But I still think he could be an 850 OPS guy from here on out, and I'd take that all day. All right, in his Oakland career, including today, and in his Oakland career, he's a 795 OPS guy with a 283, 336, 459 slash line at catcher. I'm taking that all day and twice on exactly. Sunday. Exactly. Again, so he, someone, went, he was 0 for 25 with Tampa Bay. So bad. They DFA'd him. Oakland picks him up and did something with him. Of course, me of off. course they did. It, it's weird though the team that dropped him didn't do that same something because they're always associated with that sort of stuff. Uh, um, okay. just, I don't know what it is, man. Guys what about uh, what about vote or or Russell Martin? Oh, Russell Martin. I, it's, I think it's more sustainable. Okay, uh, vote or Derek Norris. Vote. Whew, that's tough for me. I really like Derek Norris, but I think votes power is better, and obviously he doesn't have quite the same park difficulties. Now, obviously they're both in tough parks, but I still think Petco's tougher because of the weather there. Um, and then last one, vote or Sal Perez. Maybe that's not close at all, but I'm just not a huge Sal Perez guy. I'm not either. Okay. I think that's close. I think I might take vote, to be honest, because I think votes power is better than Sal Perez. Um, and that, that I don't, you know, I'm not as I'm not as hyped on the batting average. Even though Sal Perez is probably going to play 900 games, that's also going to cut into that batting average too. So I think for me it'd be vote. Uh, would you still take Perez even though you're not high, or, or would you go vote? You'd vote for vote. I would vote for vote. I would rock it. Nice. Okay. Uh, next up, we got to talk Nate Carnes here, and I got to kind of let you let you go off on this because I, I'm looking. And I'm following the games out. Uh, girlfriend and I are out shopping, getting new stuff for the apartment today. I'm keeping track of the scores. I'm looking at Carnes throwing a, kind of a gem. And uh, five innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, four strikeouts. And then I see it comes out. And I'm like, oh, great. Carnes got freaking hurt. I look. I couldn't find any news on him getting hurt. Why was he out after five innings, 61 pitches, five brilliant innings? What's going on? Is there a situation with, with Nate Carnes? What do you think? So the team has said they don't like him going through a third time through a lineup. So I'm looking at Ouch. the exact I'm looking at the exact quotes here um, that uh, that Mark Tompkin asked of Kevin Cash. See, see, Cash said at this at that point I felt he had given exactly what we needed. If there was a chance that I jumped the gun and ending earlier, that's on me. That goes to so much confidence with. 
Gomes and Geltz and stacking all the way through. Uh, here's the thing. I mean, when you look at, if you look at it by weighted on base average, the first time Carnes faces a lineup holds him to 243. Second time, 293. And the third time, caveat, it's only been like 50 batters, 385. So there's a little bit to say here. Here's my thing. And they, and the issue is when I looked at this, when they, when they did it going into today, the Rays starting pitchers had faced the third fewest batters the third or fourth time through a lineup, the third fewest uh, with, I think, Baltimore, uh, Philly was second and Baltimore had the fewest total at 110. The difference is the Rays starting pitchers had given up like 14 fewer runs than the other team. So oh, wow. the thing, what's kind of scary here is he's done this with Carnes a lot. He was pulling Archer, you know, Archer, even Archer, he got yanked at 84 pitches at one time. And so it's like something that's, been happening and what I, and I don't understand at least Archer can get deep on 84 pitches but this bullpen has thrown a ton of pitches when I looked at I was talking about with a couple of Rays uh, guys earlier if I could uh, resurface the go find the numbers because I have been a little tweet happy today and when I was talking about they they have done you know they, they've thrown a lot of pitches but I looked at it and uh that's that's not good. And when I mentioned I made the comparison, I said, uh, you know, here's the, here it was. The only team, the only teams relievers that have thrown more pitches in the AL than the Rays today are the Rangers. And the Rangers have been god awful. Oh yeah, they've been right? murdered. That's god awful. And the pitch total, uh, this was you know heading into heading into today, the pitch total difference was fifteen fifty three for the Rangers and fourteen forty six. For the Rays. Now let's look at the bottom end of that. The Mets bullpen, nine hundred and forty six pitches. So that's a five hundred pitch difference. Oh, wow. Right? And but so the starters aren't giving up earned runs, but the thing that has to concern you is you know, there's nobody to really call up for the race. Yes, I mean Jake McGee is going to Durham this week to to extend his rehab assignment, so you've got McGee coming, so that's gonna shift a little bit of the pen. Mm-hmm. You've got Cobb coming back at the end of the month. That's gonna that's gonna move somebody like Carnes to the bullpen. Um, you know, they've got they just added Colome back. They're they're gonna get Matt Moore who pitched the live batters today. They're looking at him around Father's Day. So those are your new arms, so that's gonna shift some guys around. You know, Colome, maybe Colome and Carnes go to the pen. And they could pick up, but right now, I mean, he's using some of these guys. He's got too. He's got too much confidence in guys that don't deserve it. I mean, he he pitched that six. He played that sixth inning like it was the eighth inning. He used three yeah. relievers. I mean, he had to go. He used Gomes, who gave up a leadoff bunt, and then a, a then a line single, and then an out. Then he used uh, Xavier Cedeno. Then he had to go to Steve Geltz. Then he gets to the eighth inning and, and base open and pitches to Adam Jones with men on second and third instead of going bases loaded to Chris Davis, who I would have rather done. I mean, honestly, he managed like a rookie manager today. And, and I think Kevin Cash has done a really good job uh, of managing this year, but I thought today was his, was a, was his worst effort by far. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I, I guess th- that happens. And it's going to happen even with, with good managers. Uh, yeah, or se- I should say seasoned, because not, I'm not saying he's good or bad. But with seasoned veterans, they're going to have their, their off days. Some some will say Ned, Ned Yost has them more regularly than, than anything else. But, um, you know, a rookie, of course, is going to have a few hurdles there. But, man, Carnes, oh, if he can get through a lineup three times, I think – that, that that that's the key though. That's a huge key for so many young pitchers. So I guess it's not surprising. He's like, but he's in the same boat as the other ones we talk about. It's boomer bust with Carnes, honestly. Yes, absolutely. It really is boomer bust. I mean, he he flashes an excellent curveball. It's really it's, good. It's just a fastball not, command. It's just sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Has it not been boomer bust for like so many guys this year? Or am I just am I doing the thing where? Whatever is happening right now, we say that's the craziest. Or just some of these, there's just a large handful of guys that are just so boomer bust. And it, maybe it's because we call up guys younger and we have so many, many younger guys that they maybe aren't as refined. Or, or maybe I'm just full of it. But it seems like it does. so it many really guys does. this year so far through one month are either boomer bust. A lot of these guys that were chic picks, uh, you know, all across the board, not just with, with guys that we like, but everywhere look brilliant for an outing. Smash for two. Look brilliant for two more. You know, things like that. So, I don't know. Uh, we got to talk about... Hey, real quick. Oh, yeah. Um, Austin Hedges is being called up by the Padres. Uh-oh. Well, that's going to mean... Uh, they've never had... They haven't had a good backup for... I mean, that's Will Nieves, right? 
Uh, the, yeah, Dennis Lynn is, is reporting that uh, multiple so, sources have told him that Austin Hedges is on his way up. So that, not, folks, honestly, must-see TV, if Austin Hedges is behind the plate and somebody tries to steal, I want to see the Padres and Reds and Billy Hamilton on first yes. and Hedges behind the plate. Hedges is a legitimate 80-arm thrower. This guy is and insane. Completely worthless to you listening to this for the reason you're listening to this. Don't care. Fantasy Don't baseball. Don't care. Like, it's worth complete... watching. This guy no, 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 no. and ropes. I'm not even trying to like blast you for saying that. I'm just saying, on the other hand, yes, watch him as much as you can. But on the other hand, that doesn't mean you necessarily want to go put in a huge bid for him tonight. Because I just I, – I don't know if he's going to hit much uh, at all, let alone out of the gate. So uh, he's oh, even he's a bigger – he's even a bigger cautionary m- measure for me than Blake Swihart is, is all I'm getting at. Yes, absolutely, but still, watch But no, him. no, I, I still can't wait to see him with any, obviously B- Billy Hamilton will be the one, but, you know, anybody, they play Miami, I want to see D. Gordon, I just want to see guys try to get ballsy against him because it will not work out. I think I told the story during the uh, the Arizona Fall League Alls, the Rising Stars game, when I was down in the field, I think it was two years ago, and uh, it was I, USA versus the world, I forgot how they have it split east-west, but it was uh, Austin Hedges and... Uh, Alfaro, Jorge Alfaro were the two Oh, catchers. yeah, nice. And they were doing workouts, and Alfaro's back there. Because all the scouts sit in the first baseline. And he's just back there throwing everything. Wham, wham, wham. And during workouts. And then Hedges gets over there and just, like, lobbing it, lobbing it. And fans had come in by this point. I remember sitting next to some people uh, or standing over, and somebody's like, man, that catcher really doesn't have an arm. And then, like, the oh, first God. time somebody tried to steal, Hedges threw him up, like, five steps. That's <laughs> He was just saving yeah, he's just saving up the bullets that he knows he has. That 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 will be an impressive part uh, is to watch Austin Head just try to throw anybody out. So uh, if he's coming up, you know, NL only, uh, there there could be some value there, but uh, for the most part, you know, that'd be two catcher NL only, and you're desperate. I want to talk about uh, another game that we saw today. The what I'm dubbing the Anderson duel, Chase versus Brett. That was pretty good. They both went what six shutout innings. That game was deep. Uh, as a zero-zero game before finishing in thirteen as a one-nothing Dodgers win. Ugh, let's start with games. let's start with Brett because uh, you know he's he's been more inconsistent this year. Where are you at with him after a month? First off, he's still upright, so that's huge. Right there, not, you can stop right there. Okay, he, he's not hurt yet. That's all I, I'm stunned by. He's not hurt and yet. And I'm yet not even trying you- to. S- Say it to be mean. It's just it's oh. been a fact of his life. I, I, you know, almost feel bad for a guy who gets hurt that regular. We said it. We said it about Brandon McCarthy. I mean, we said there's yeah. not a chance with a guy who's thrown 200 innings once in his entire career that he was gonna. I think I think we set the over under at 160 for Brandon McCarthy, and you know he didn't even make it to 60. But no, no I, I'm still not interested in Brett Anderson. I, I love the number the line that Chase Anderson put up. I know he's been struggling a little bit this year. But that lineup, that Dodger lineup, I mentioned what the Astros did. The Dodgers are second, uh, it, the second in slugging percentage, and he neutralized that lineup. No, it was it was a huge effort, and he he'd been pitching really well. Like it just had some disappointing results, but I thought things were really coming together for Chase. So it was great to see him go dominate a great lineup. Like you say, seven strikeouts, one walk. Just two hits allowed again, just for six scoreless. Brent Anderson, also very sharp, not quite as good. I think he went uh, five hits, four uh, four strikeouts, zero walks. So, yeah, both guys great. Keeping an eye on both, still more interested in Chase than Brett, but both appeal to me. Again, while Brett's upright, I still think the talent's there, but it's been a little inconsistent. It's oh, been- my God, our boy Tuffy Gosowich was caught stealing today. What, what what is a fake player who doesn't even exist doing stealing? I don't understand how a ghost, a wish, can even steal. No, it doesn't make sense. Doesn't what? make sense. Stealing. What? Have you have you seen the picture that they purport is Tuffy Ghost a wish? It looks very Tuffy Ghost a wish. Yes, I have seen it. It, it, it is uh, it is definitely a placeholder. There's something to behold. I'm not sure. It, it looks like it. It looks like. Um, Oh, God, who am I thinking a, of? Mark Loretta. Looks like Mark oh. Loretta's picture. You know, if he hit like Mark Loretta, I would consider him a real player. I would. I'm just kidding, Tuffy. Go swish. I know you're listening. I love you, bud. I'll call you later today. Anyway, Julio Tehran uh, may have assuaged some fears today with with a big outing. 
what's your temperature on him right now after a month, uh, an, in, an inconsistent month where he – I think he's been one of the guys. There you go. There's, I was struggling to come up with names uh, when I was talking about that, you know, guardrail to guardrail kind of stuff. He's been there. Uh, Julio mm-hmm. Tehran, his first two starts were great, six inning gems, uh, one earned run in both of That's them. Crap. You know, then three duds in a row, doesn't even touch six in any of them, and then six shutout today with six strikeouts, two walks against a very capable Reds offense. Which, you know, I know not everyone was hot on them coming into the year, but they've been hitting pretty well. Votto's been excellent. We talked about Cozart. Hamilton didn't play today, but, uh, you know, and they've had, they've had sporadic, uh, involvement from, from the, you know, the Frasers and the Bruces of the world. It hasn't been a world beating offense, but it's been, it's been alright. Uh, so I'm, I was impressed here. I wasn't worried anyway. It's too early of a pick for me to really start freaking out, but I was getting a bit annoyed, particularly with the walks. Yeah, that's what, was, that's what I was talking about. I mean, he had the the four walk um, outing against the Mets, the five walk outing against the Mets again. So nine of his fourteen walks have come against the Mets. The okay. Mets, the Mets. Uh, but he's only walked. He's walked two over his last two starts. He's had as many home runs too as he has walks too. So yeah, as long as he's not facing the Mets, the walks aren't a problem for whatever reason. They've got him figured out. Kind of like Chris Archer and the Orioles. Go look at those numbers. Uh, he's had Archer's been amazing this year. He's had two bad starts, both against the Orioles. And and not not a bad team to have, you know. That's a more excusable one for Archer than it is uh, for the Mets. Sorry, Mets fans. But it's Steve uh, Pierce. Steve Pierce. Whatever reason, Steve, Steve Pierce. Pierce. Him. And Dude. then today, Steve Pierce leaves because he's got Montezuma's revenge. And then whatever pinch hitter they called Second up makes in two runs. It's like come oh, on. Oh, Ray, Ray Navarro. Yeah. Dude, Steve Pierce. Have you ever seen Steve Pierce? By the way, I tweeted this out, but it was a late night thing, so I'm sure a lot of people missed it. Um, and who cares about my tweets, really? But. Have you seen Steve Pierce? Do you know what he looks like? No. He looks as Steve Pierce as as Steve Pierce could. Like whatever you p- picture a pic- put a face to that name in your head, and I guarantee that's what he looks like because right. they, they, he couldn't look more Steve Pierce if he tried. Anyway, moving on. Sonny Gray had a huge effort today. Ten Ks. It was against Texas Rangers, but I don't like to dismiss everything based on opponent. He didn't strike out anybody. You know, he wasn't he wasn't striking out his other easier opponents. So he still went out there, dropped ten Ks. Big effort. Six and two thirds, two hits, but seven walks too. So it was kind of a bizarre outing for Gray. I imagine without having seen it that the curveball was particularly nasty today. They couldn't do anything with it, but he also couldn't command it all that well. They just didn't make him pay. But what do you think of Sonny Gray? Um, are you at all changed on him? I know I came in thinking of the guys who were treated as elite and he was drafted as a top 20 starter. He was my least favorite because I didn't like that price tag because I don't see the strikeouts being a force. And I think to be a top 20 guy, you need to have the strikeout piece. He's at 21%, but this, you know, uh, he jumped it from 12, 18 to 21% with this outing, but I'm, I'm still kind of at the same spot with Sonny Gray. I think he's more of, uh, of that uh, 18 to 20% than the 26% that we saw in 2013. 13 swings and misses on the breaking ball today. That, bingo. I mean, like yeah. I said, you don't have to see it. That, I, that, was, not, that was not rocket science. That, that's so obvious when you see 10 strikeouts, 7 walks. It was so nasty. He had no idea how to reel it in, but it was working. I have zero Perfect. shares of Gray only because I, I was not comfortable taking him where he was being drafted. So it's too expensive. I, didn't, I, love I wasn't. Gray. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I had no other knock on him, but I was like, no, I, I, I just there was too much depth in the pitcher pool for me to be like, oh, I, I, I have to go get Sonny Gray. No, I don't. I just plenty of other guys. Now, have they all worked out right now? No. No. Why no, is no, no, it, no. can Sonny Gray do this all season? I don't know. And and that, that that's and that's the thing. I mean, I think he can be. Have great ratios. I, I do. I think they can be really good and, and, and have them, I guess, kind of in that in that range of high quality, but more of a top 35, top 40 guy, not quite top 20. Because I just think with the depth of pitching today, you got to have all the components. You got to have the ratios, the strikeouts, um, and at least you know decent wins. But even I, I, I have Cole Hamels in the top 20, so I don't really care about wins. I never have. I don't chase them, etc., uh, etc. Et I want to ask you about uh, one last guy here, Trevor Plouffe. He's kind of beasting, and, you know, I'll tell you I'll what. Our it's, it's a little early to be back padding, so we're not going to go too crazy. But our late draft was, was our pretty first good. reserve round. He was our first and, reserve round pick. And I'll tell you what. The thing is, like you said, he's on our bench because we had Josh Donaldson. We ended up getting so stacked in third base right now 
that uh, we could actually cut Nick Castellanos very easily. And I guess a lot of people could. He has, he hasn't I been benched great. him in my AL league. But, but yeah, I mean, he hasn't been great, but I, I still like him overall. But we, we, and we would still have three capable third basemen with Donaldson, Trevor Plouffe, and, of course, Mr. Alex Rodriguez. And a fourth, excuse me, Alex Guerrero, it qualifies at third base on RT Sports. I don't know if that's uh, an everything. thing. Yes, we do. Yes. We, we put in that bid form last week. You got to check That's the bids. Crazy. I know. I know you got you got your mind on your on your surgery here, but uh, yeah, we we we've got Alex Guerrero as well. So we've got third base coming out uh, our rears here. Trevor Poof with a big day today: two seventy eight, three fifty six, four seventy eight triple slash with five homers. He's been excellent, and I I think it can sustain at this current level. So I would one hundred percent buy it. Obviously. Current level, I you know, give or take twenty OPS points. I don't think that that's unreasonable to say. Uh, but I think Trevor Poof is is this can be this good. Yes, I, I agree. I don't. There's nothing I'm looking at saying no. That's the state. I would take. I like Trevor Poof. I thought he was. I mean, we were talking about it when when the draft was going on. We're like, why is Trevor Plouffe still Could, just here? We, we just took him. We just took him because he was still there. It wasn't a target. We were like, nope. um, we gotta kind of take Trevor Plouffe. Because we thought he could hit 18 homers. We also, did, thinking, we also did the block that stinking Canadian Fred Zinke. Yes, we did. Because he needed a third baseman at the time. We're like, uh, yeah, no, we're going to go ahead and take that guy and, now. And he still does, and that's when we took him. We said, you know what, we, we let him go long enough. Zinke's going to take him. This is an 18-homer 18, 18 type of guy, and now he's looking more like a mid-20s homer guy, and I don't think it's unreasonable. The 16% homer to fly ball rate for Plouffe is double last year, but it's not out of range for his career because right. that Last year was the outlier, uh, not this year, because the year he hit 24 homers, he carried a 16.7% rate for the full year. Uh, it bounced back down to 10% for Poof in 2013, but I think he battled injuries that year, too, so that might have played a role. I'm not going to say 100%, uh, but I know he, he missed time uh, throughout that season in 2013, so I think that could have been at play. I, I would I would go out and buy this guy for sure. I think he's going to still be on some wires. Although you know, I think now people are going to start taking notice. He's going to be start to be that top guy on the on the waiver wire in mixed leagues. I'd go out and buy, and if somebody was trying to sell, I, I would I'd be willing to pay too because I don't think you'd have to pay uh, some overwhelming premium again more than that guy would get if you know, from a waiver wire pick, but not some key cog to your ball club. Exactly, exactly. I just, it's nice to see, we've talked about this, we talked about it back in the offseason, you know, there's some consistency while everybody else is chasing the upside of this guy or that guy, consistency, and it, 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 it kind, kind of, of feels like, yeah, I mean, he, he kind of, I mean, it's his third or fourth well, year, yeah, yeah. kind of feels like the Do, the Brian Dozier last year, nobody yes. wanted Brian Dozier, and then everybody kind of fell into Brian Dozier, but like, hey, look what I ran into, exactly. and it kind of feels that way with Ploof, he's hitting, and he's, I mean, Ploof, He's had those couple of stretches where he'd hit the home runs in bunches and then everything would go away for him. But, again, uh, third base isn't playing out like gangbusters either. No, that, that's, another, that's another piece to it. And so maybe he's not on as many waiver wires as I think. But, uh, again, yeah, if, if you are trying to upgrade your third baseman, I think you could be an upgrade off of some of those back-end yeah. guys uh, that you might be working with. Waiting on base is better than Machado, Valbuena, Poito, uh, Headley, Free, Seager. Well, a lot better wow. than Seager. Castellanos, uh, Lowry, I mean, these are Josh Harrison's way down there. See, uh, so, yeah. Th- th- there's a lot of the, th- that's a ton of guys there. And I wouldn't take him over every single one of those. I still believe in like a Kyle Seeger, but a lot of those guys, I'd easily take him over. So if you're working with one of those guys and Ploof is out there on your, your 10 or 12 team wire, I say put him in, ride that, ride that hot streak. I think, I think we got an all leagues, all formats kind of player right now. Uh, let me ask you one last thing before we go here. I know we're bumping up on an hour. Just between some of these young NL only pit- pitchers, and I swear I'm not looking at the waiver wire, one of my leagues, trying to get you to help me with my bids. That's, that's oh, you're ridiculous. Asking for a friend. You're asking that's for a friend. Yes, that's absolutely ridiculous. This is purely hypothetical. I would never want you to think that. But if you had the choice, hypothetically, in your NL only league, uh, Michael Lorenzen, Carlos Frias, or Mike Fultonevich? Fultonevich. Fultonevich. You know, uh, the, the two big arms at the back end. Uh, Fultonevich, big arm, but command and. Wow. Um, I, I guess I'm going to go with Fultonevich. Okay. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm putting bids on all three. I'm just, try, I'm having a tough time deciding who gets the highest one. I do like Carlos Frias. I, I you know, I kind of talked him up nicely in the, in the SP guide while also giving the hat tip to Carson Stewie, who really turned me on to him, got me to sit down and kind of watch some of his work from last year. You know, Frias had that disaster start, uh, his only other start besides, uh, the one that he just had in Colorado, and he gave up, I think, nine runs or eight runs in two-thirds of an inning. It was yes. really rough. And so, of course, that that took him off the radar, basically, when you're looking at – first off, he only had 32 innings. But if you were looking for those, like, up-and-coming relievers, you'd, you'd see the 6-12 ERA and you probably dismissed it. I, I kind of get it, but, but you shouldn't have because I think there's something there. Even if he is only a temporary starter and free us, then goes back to the bullpen, I think it could be one of those – Guys who get racks up a ton of Ks. We've only seen five in his first seven to two thirds innings, but I wouldn't go crazy about that. In the in the rotation, I think he's more of that seven and a half, eight to eight and a half type of guy. But that's still solid. It's not great, but it's solid. So I like Frias too. Uh, but Fultonevich, I think, man, he could be a beast if he had any command. And that's the thing. We're kind of gambling, seeing, hey, what kind of command does he have? So Lorenzen, um, I, I never, I've never known a whole lot about Lorenzen. I, I, you know, two. I think he's been the SP guide twice. I've done two winter studies on him, but nothing major. And I didn't get to see much of that debut. What do you think of him as a long term, Michael Lorenzen for the for the Reds? I, I don't. I, I really don't. I mean, he had the, the the first outing wasn't that great. It just when you look at the numbers, he doesn't have the. The swing and miss, he doesn't that's have the, the big stuff. That's really, when you compare up the three guys, that's what I'm always going to look at is the swing and miss stuff. And you look at his numbers in the upper minors and, it's, and it wasn't there. I mean, he's, he hit in the minor leagues. I mean, at college, when he played at Cal State Fuller, he actually was a hitter. Maybe he's got some pinch hit value, but the, the swing <laughs> and miss in his game, no. I mean, double A, a strikeout rate of 6.3. That, that's, that's below my red line. Okay. No, I, like I said, that's kind of where I was. Those are just the three guys that uh, that are available, and I definitely want to land one of them. But uh, I had the lowest bid on Lorenzo, but I think it was a little too close to those other two, so I bumped that one down, and I got I got Fultonevich with the top bid here. So if it goes awry, I will blame you 100%. Just, just know that. Just know that. <laughs> uh, but I am trying to get both Frias and Fultonevich. Hey, speaking was- of driving people the wrong way, uh, you know – Stephen Sousa, this is completely unrelated, but the fact he's looked like crap this week at the plate, uh, just bad. But the Rays have got the Rangers and the Red Sox this week. If there's a week for Stephen Sousa to get back on track, it's against those crappy pitching staffs. That is a that is a remedy right there. I mean, he's been bad. I think he's O for the week, one for the week. It's been a rough, rough, rough week for him. But if if he's going to bounce back, and they're not going to bench him because there's again no other option. I was to say, who uh, would they play? And his defense has been good enough to keep him in the lineup, even if he's slumping. They may drop him down the lineup, but you know Texas and Boston, really good week to get things cleaned up. There you go, good call. We'll, we'll end on that one, Jason. We'll be back in a week to talk more more baseball. But uh, until then, I hope you feel better. Enjoy enjoy your time uh, uh, resting. Though that's like a silver lining. You mentioned you don't have to go to work tomorrow, so hey. Yeah. You gotta gotta find the silver linings and things. So it sucks to get surgery, but no work. And you get to catch up on, uh, reading, which I, you'd mentioned you had a ton of articles ready. Since the season has started, of course, that's when I accumulate like 35 unopened or, uh, unread tabs of stuff I desperately want to read. So maybe I need some surgery to catch up, but. Yeah, I'm that uh, dude, I'm that dude who's on, like, tweets things out. Like, this was a great read and everybody's like, yeah, we read that a week ago. Nice. But I, I, I Instapaper, oh, Instapaper is one of my favorite apps. Yes. I, anything I get in, I click and be like, yeah, so I get on my iPad, especially when I'm flying. I'm just going through and cruising and reading that. Uh, I can't fly for for two weeks. That's the other silver lining oh, in this thing. There's no that, flying for two weeks. So your wife is your wife and kids got to be thrilled that you can't leave. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So that's the other silver lining, and, and the fact is no no flying. So I don't. I, when I get to the offsite parking spot in Charlotte, the guy Jeremy's gonna be like, "Dude, where the hell have you been? We thought you died." <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "Ooh, we thought they were gonna send a new guy very soon." But anyway, well, I hope you feel better. I'm sure we'll be talking uh, while, while you're. It, 
do you have to take any time off of work besides tomorrow? Or you go right no. back. No, I mean I'm just I work from home. I can't travel. I have oh. absolutely nothing in the field this week. Next week I've got to drive to uh, Atlanta on Thursday, but I've got absolutely nothing uh, in the field this week. So I'm because I was supposed to be in Orlando for uh, all week's uh, sales training, and I got to get out of that. So oh, yay me! That's, that's I'm awesome. going to Denver. I'm going to Denver instead in June, and I'm psyched about that because I love Denver. I get to go see my cousin and uh, some family out there while I'm there, and I you know Jonah. I love my I love my my friend in Orlando, uh, my friends in Orlando, but yes, if uh, I'm staying out by the airport, won't have a car, but if I can get together with Jonah, absolutely doing that. Oh, one last thing. Sorry, I know we keep saying that, but we got to talk because uh, there was a reader, uh, reader, listener request to talk yes. about Craig Kimbrell, and uh, I meant to do it as an offshoot of, of Miguel Castro when we were talking about bullpens. Gave up a run today, did get the save. There's been some concern. He's got a 5.06 ERA. I think he's given up runs in, in several of his last uh, handful of outings. Several and handful, very helpful and descriptive. In four of his last six outings, Craig Kimbrell has given up runs. Uh, and so that part's been rough, but he's also struck out a billion guys in those. Everything else looks good except for a few runs here and there. Is this just some, some variance, uh, negative variance in his way right now, or is there anything to really be concerned about with Craig Kimbrell? Reliever volatility, it's everywhere. It's it's a rash in the league right now. It yes. is everywhere. And the thing, when you look at Kimbrell, look at the velocity. It's it, it, If you look at his velocity game-by-game trends on, on Brooks Baseball, it's up, 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 and up. So yes. there's not an injury there. I mean, he his velocity in his last outing matches anywhere where it's been over the last three years, according to the to the velo map um, on there. So no, there's there's no injury there. I, I just think Perfect. it's reliever volatility, just like it's been with just about every other reliever in the game that's not wearing pinstripes this year. Yeah, I mean, some of them obviously are pitching poorly, but a lot of them are just getting getting stuck right now. And I think Kimbrel's just getting some some negative his way. He'll be fine. I'd definitely be willing to I mean, buy there. Seashack, at least Seashack's got decreased velocity. When he's struggling, yeah. like, okay, look, you know, Velo's not there, and that's why he his he's getting cuffed around. And Melanson, that's why he's getting cuffed around. Velocity's not back to where it needs to be. Kimbrel doesn't have a velocity problem. No, I, I, I wouldn't sweat that one either. So just wanted to get that last thing in there. We'll be back in a week. Feel better. Until then, take care, Jason. All right, man. Thanks.